CCDE Practical Exam Recommendations and Tips, Episode 23. In the design world, it all depends. Welcome back, friends, nerds, and geeks alike. It's time for another episode of the Zigbits Network Design Podcast, where zigabytes are faster than gigabytes. As always, we strive to provide real-world context around technology. I'm Michael Ziga, also known as Zig in this amazing community, and I am your host. Today's show is all about recommendations and tips for the CCDE practical exam. I've been asked numerous times over the last year and a half, um, what are my recommendations and tips for the Cisco Certified Design Expert Practical Exam? And I have presented on it a number of times. I've briefed it, presented on it, and I've done a lot of one-on-one coaching on this CCDE Practical Exam. So I figured it made some sense today to put this in a podcast episode and a blog post so people could actually see what I would recommend and what my tips are for this exam. So without any other further ado, we're going to kind of jump right in. I, I will have one kind of related post I would like to make mention of. If you have not seen my post depicting my entire CCDE journey, you can find it actually on um, the Unleashing CCDE blog post or blog site, blog forum on the Cisco uh, Learning Network. Um, I have a direct link to the actual specific post. Um, it is zigbits.tech slash h dash ha. I will have the, sh- the link in the show notes. And my blog post is titled The Aha Moment. It, it explains um, the number of attempts I took um, and my thought process, my mind state, mental state, um, design aspect, and what really changed in my journey and my adventure. Um, I will have this in the related post section of the show notes. Um, and I will also have a number of other CCDE related posts and uh, blog posts and podcast episodes in the related section. Without that, let's just k- jump right in, right? So during the CCDE practical exam, um, one of the big things that I like to emphasize is understanding what your role is for the scenarios that you're in. So the first thing that I like to do is determine what my role is, and it will tell you, it should tell you um, what your role is at the beginning of the scenario. So you should you should have an idea of if you are part of a company, if you are a contracting firm, um, and you should also understand what what type of networking that 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 your your company's going to be. So, for example, and I'm I'm stumbling on the words, but for example, let's say you are a network architect for a enterprise company, right? So you would have certain aspects of the enterprise company. You would not have ac- access or design decisions per se on the service service provider front, unless. Um, you are part of the service provider company. So a lot of that kind of dictates what would you have access to um, and what wouldn't you have access to. And a a really good example in this scenario would be like, um, let's say you were a architect on an enterprise company and you were doing some sort of of, um, QoS remarking between your enterprise hardware and your service provider hardware. And you would need to know what the service provider was doing, but you wouldn't be able to modify what the service provider was doing in in that situation. Now, if you were on the service provider side as a service provider network architect, you could modify the service provider side, but you would not be able to modify the enterprise side. Now, there might be, it's just a a quick example. So don't don't take that as a... um, 
That's a real life example in the exam. It's not. I, I'm just making it up on the fly. Um, and it, you know, just just the underlying aspect here is know your role, know what you have access to, and reflect on it during the the scenario and during each during the exam and each scenario you're going through, and understand that your role does change. So make sure that uh, while you're going through the scenarios, you keep reflecting on the information that you're being provided and you make sure you know what your role is still. If that's from scenario to scenario, if that's during the scenario, just make sure you know what your role is because that re- knowing what your role is is going to dictate a lot of uh, how you answer a question. The next topic is um, for each of your scenarios, there's a list of things that I would recommend you should know. Um, so determine what the business vertical is. I think this is important. And you can traditionally determine this pretty quickly at the beginning of the, the scenario. Um, if the business is in a retail, if they're a bank, school, if there's some sort of online business, um, I kind of divvy, uh, differentiated between retail and online business. Um, also, if it's a service provider versus an enterprise. Some of these, these are determining factors would be beneficial when you're um, bringing in some other information. So like, you know, banks traditionally need to secure their data. Retail, they have um, point of presence uh, systems uh, for your, your um, credit cards, transactions. And then they have to be secured. There's compliance standards, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a number of things that you should think about depending on which business vertical your, um, your scenario is about. Um, the next thing about the actual specific scenario that you really should think about is... What is the design use case that's being that's being depicted? Um, there's a handful here. So as you get through the, you start reading the documentation, you, you start going through the information. You should easily determine if you are um, ad slash replacing technology or service. So maybe um, maybe you're replacing the IGP in the scenario. Maybe they have OSPF and they want to run ISIS for some reason, um, and you have to go through that process. But you should be able to identify that. Um, Maybe there's a merger or a divestation happening. Maybe you have two companies that are um, one's buying another and you have to merge their network infrastructure and the services that they run. Or maybe you're, um, maybe the company is this huge, huge company and part of their company is not making a lot of money. So they want to divest. They want to get rid of that part of the company and you have to identify key pieces of the infrastructure that you need to keep and that key pieces of the infrastructure that you're going to get rid of with that divestation. Um, scaling is another option here. Um, scaling of the environment. You could be having a scaling issue or maybe, maybe they, maybe they have an environment that isn't scalable and they need to make it scalable. The next one's kind of the easiest, um, because it, it's greenfield. And, um, if you have a greenfield situation, then it, it should be pretty straightforward. You're not really dealing with a network. You're building it from scratch. Right. Um, and then the last one I have here is design failure. And that's where maybe, maybe someone implemented a architecture or design, but they didn't meet the needs of the business. Uh, you know, maybe it was the scalability issue or maybe it was add, maybe you have to add replace the technology because there was a design failure. So hopefully you can get an idea here that you can actually have multiple design use cases in one scenario. So you might have um, ad replace technology because you have a design failure. Someone deployed OSPF, um, design slash deployed it, but it wasn't adhering to the, the capabilities or the requirements that the business needed and the business outcomes and the business benefits are not being met. So then you're being tasked with, you know, hey, this, this, we had a different company come in and deploy 
um, ISIS for our service provider network. It's not meeting our needs. Um, we want you to add slash, we want you to come and fix the issue. And then you come in and fix the issue and maybe you take a um, ISIS out of there and you add OSPF. There's an example for you, right? The next section um, is really going to be about you during the exam. And this is the biggest section of kind of tips and recommendations that I have for you today. Because honestly, the biggest factor of the exam is you. Um, your personality, your mindset, your stress level, anxiety, um, all the above, it, it really factors so much into the exam that you're taking. So um, in this section, title you during your CCD practical exam. Um, the first thing is don't make assumptions. There is a number of items that you should go into the exam knowing. Um, and as if you're already studying for the exam, they're listed out on a lot of different sites for the items that you should bring in to the exam. Well-known information, um, like for example, a good example is what is needed for a voice system in terms of jitter, latency, quality service, etc. You should know those factors going into the exam. And there's a whole, there's a bunch of other ones that you should know as well. But Outside of those well-known items, well-known factors or, or information that you should be bringing with you to the exam, um, don't make any assumptions. Don't assume something is bad because you would normally think it's bad. A good example is don't assume complexity. Um, something is complex. It's really complex. Don't assume that is bad in that scenario unless the scenario means it or says something about it or identifies that, hey, we need to have a low level of complexity. Complexity is very important and we need to keep it low. Or maybe they would have a more roundabout way of saying it. Our staff is not experienced. So maybe they do not have the staff to maintain a high level of complexity or a highly complex solution or design. Um, now, I will state that the scenario will give you enough information to make a decision. You just need to find that information. Um, a kind of follow-on to that is bring your technical knowledge and technical experience with technology. So maybe you've done a ton of MPLS work. Maybe you've done a ton of DMVPN work or GetVPN or um, uh, VXLAN, BGP. I mean, maybe you've done a whole bunch of work te technology-wise and you have a lot of experience with those technologies in a, in a real-world environment. Um so bring that information, bring the technical knowledge, bring the experience, but leave your preconceived notions at the door. Um, leave your preconceived notions and your assumptions at the door um, because that, that stuff isn't needed. And that's one of my biggest issues. If you read through my, um, my journey and my write-up, you'll, you'll know that preconceived notions is one of the biggest issues I had. So if you have any preconceived notions or whatnot, you want to leave that at the door. A good example of preconceived notions is... You know, MPLS L3 VPN and MPLS L2 VPN are two similar offerings from a service provider's environment. And if you've been in the industry and in your location and geo geographical location and in your experience, maybe MPLS L3 VPN is more expensive than MPLS L2 VPN. In addition, maybe it takes longer for uh, a service provider in your area to um, bring up an MPLS L3 VPN versus an MPLS, MPLS L2 VPN. And in that situation, if you bring that information into the exam, you could make decisions based on the information you brought in the exam um, that would actually be invalid information in that scenario. So this is one of those items that I always say, make sure you do not bring your preconceived notions into the exam. Bring your technical expertise and technical knowledge, but not this other information to the exam. All right, so the next thing for you to do, uh, I said this kind of interesting, uh, read and read again. 
and I, I, I can't tell you how much I, uh, I harp on this. I'm with people when I talk to people. Um, I've had experiences myself where I've read a question and then maybe three minutes later I read it again and realized I had missed part of the question. I didn't, I, I must have skimmed it or I overlooked the last, like, part of the sentence or maybe the last part of the question. So um, I suggest, uh, recommend, carefully read each question at least twice. Um, you know, read once, then maybe read the the answers um, and then go back and read the question again. And also I would recommend read each answer twice as well. Um, the wording is key. I mean, this is this is a reading comprehension exam and the wording is, is extremely important important to understand what is being asked of you and then what the answers are stating. Um, and one word or how the words are arranged can really dictate um, what the answer is trying to do or what the question is trying to ask you. If you're being asked the question, if you're reading the question, you're asking yourself, well, I don't really understand the question being asked. I'm not following along. Um, most likely you, f- you miss something in the scenario. That is my take. Um, reread the scenario. Uh, you're probably missing some relevant information that would really help you uh, identify the right answer to that question or at least narrow it down um, a little bit. Um, and then lastly, um, one of the things that has helped me and helped a few of our, uh, my colleagues in this industry um, is to try to determine what the test creator is trying to test you on. Again, this is a test and they are trying to put you in a situation where you're going to have to design a solution for whatever reason that's happening. So maybe you, you know there's a technical issue with a protocol and you need to, you need to design a solution for that technical reason. So if you can, if you can vision, if you can have that vision, uh, and that big picture view of, okay, well, I know there's going to be an issue. So maybe that's what they're trying to do. Then that might help you guide you to answer the questions accordingly. Do not dwell on questions. And this is another big one for me. And I say this because uh, you want to get through the questions that you can get through in the time that you have. You have a limited amount of time and you want to make it through to at least see and possibly answer as many questions in the time frame. Um, so do not dwell on a question. Um, there's times when I've taken this exam that I might have dwelled um, or any exams in my life, I might have taken five, 10 minutes on a question um, because I'm like, I don't know. It's It could be A or B or maybe it's C or D. Maybe I ruled it down to two and I just was stuck and I just could not figure out which one was right. In this exam, I would suggest that you do not dwell on questions. Keep a look at what time you're at in the exam. Um, If you're in the beginning four hours of the exam or the last four hours of the exam, you should understand where you are. Give yourself enough time to, to be successful. So you may not get this question right that you're dwelling on, and you might get it wrong, and you have to, you have to accept that and move on. Um, do the best that you can. Uh, do an educated guess if you can. If you have the time, you know, go through the scenario and try to identify some of the answers that may, some of the information that you might have overlooked that could help you answer that question. Do not focus on the level setting level set choices that the test engine gives you. So what this means is during the exam, if you're not familiar with the exam yet, um, there's going to be points in time where the exam will give you back um, a decision based on what the exam wants to test you on. So for example, let's say you had a question that asked you to choose between uh, MPLS L2 VPN uh, and then it had also MPLS L3 VPN and you chose MPLS L3 VPN and you believe that's correct, and maybe it is. Maybe that is the better answer. But the exam chose MPLS L2 VPN. What will happen is it will give you a level setting 
email or information saying that we went with MPLS L2 VPN um, for whatever reason. Maybe it doesn't give you a reason. Maybe it just selects it because it felt like selecting it and, and it moves you on. So the key here is you already answered the question that you answered beforehand. You got you to live with that answer and do not focus on the level setting answer in terms of, well, did I get the question wrong beforehand? Was I, was I not right? Uh, don't, don't think like that. The level setting information that's being given to you, it's being given to everyone. Um, it's the same level setting information and you just have to uh, identify it and keep going and keep answering the question and don't let it frustrate you. Don't let it stress you out. Don't let it rile you up. Um, it, it is just the level setting information. So don't focus on it. Don't dwell on it. Move on. Uh, be confident in your answer. The Cisco Certified Design Expert Practical Exam has um, a, a different question type than most of the Cisco exams out there. Um, it has the chart question type. One of the things I've noticed with the people that I talk to and, and myself included is um, when you first see the chart, at least I do, I have this this diring, sorry, this underlying urge to want to fill the chart in. It doesn't matter what the uh, the top row says or the left column says or whatever. It doesn't matter what those what those state. I have this underlying urge to fill in the entire chart. Um, and I would suggest that don't fall into that trap. Um, it's a mental trap. Um, and, and there's no need to fill in the entire chart. Um, you really want to take each chart and, and each part of the chart in, individually um, and make the best selection or best decision in that current scenario. So, you know, you might have a chart that has 20 entries in the chart, um, which is a pretty big chart, but you might only end up selecting two of them in that chart. And you have to be okay with that. You have to mentally be like, okay, I went through individually each column, each row, um, and I identified if that was valid or not valid. Um, and, and once you've made that decision, you have to be okay with the outcome if the chart has you know, only five things selected and the rest is blank, or if it has 18 things selected and the rest is blank. Um, you have to be okay with that. Don't let it get you down. Connecting with the scenario. If you've started looking at the CCD material and there's a lot of content out there now for help to help you study, and a lot of people have said that you need to connect with your scenario, and you really do need to connect with your scenario, but there's 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 a point where you might be overly connecting with your scenario or trying too hard. Um, this is a, a reading comprehension exam, and you definitely need to read very fast. So you need to be able to connect with the scenario and read fast at the same time. Uh, and I say that there's, there's a happy middle ground and it will be dependent. Or it'll, it'll be different, not dependent. It'll be different for each of you. So what worked for me might not work for you. Um, it, it, you know, you might be a quicker, faster reader than I am. You might be able to uh, bring in information quicker in your mind and I digest it and, and understand it and um, be able to act upon it versus myself. Or you might be slower than I am on both those fronts. Um, like I said, each of us is different. So you have to find what works for you. Um, and I'll just say what I found worked for me was skim reading and sparsely highlighting. Um, that was the best way that I could find to be able to digest the information and not overly highlight. Um, and I'll get into highlighting in a little bit, but keep that in mind. It's sparsely highlighting and skim reading. Um, and that worked for me. 
And the next step is, again, do not over-connect with the scenario. Um, you need to understand what's being asked in this scenario. You need to be understand what's going on in the scenario, but you don't need to understand every little detail of the scenario because not every little detail is going to get utilized in that scenario. There's a lot of information in that scenario. Questions will have multiple answers, and I don't think a lot of people realize this. Um, some of the questions will have multiple answers, and they will be valid answers. Um, back to my MPLS L2 VPN and MPLS L3 VPN, um, you might get a question that has those two options in it and may have two other options as well. But the question might say like it might actually have two valid options of MPLS L2 VPN and MPLS L3 VPN. They might both be valid for whatever reason. Understand that it's okay if there's multiple answers to a question. And I would suggest you select the one that you can best defend uh, explain why did I choose it? What was the reasoning behind I choose it in this scenario? And if you can do that, I think you will be okay because that you're most likely going to get asked, why did you choose MPLS L3 VPN? Or why did you choose MPLS L2 VPN? And you have to justify why. It may not come out and say why. There might be different wording, but just understand that you need to be able to justify um, the reason you selected the technology that you selected. All right, so that's all the, the categories for you specifically. Now we're going to move into more specific exam strategy recommendations. And the first one is uh, divide your notes. So note-taking strategy is really the topic. And, and the best way that I found with notes is dividing my notes up into different sections. Um, and I, I traditionally did uh, sections for business, network, application, security, QoS, or quality of service, and then multicast. And these were the buckets, the big buckets for me. So I can I quickly identify and quickly look at my notes section and say, okay, I have six or seven things in the business. You know, I, I can quickly look through the business notes and go, okay, these are important business related notes. And then I have networking related notes, applications, you got it, right? And I, I had a quick place to look for this. There's a lot of talk about this. Some people would do that. Some people would create like a table of contents on their paper, which would highlight which um, paragraph and which document had certain information. I mean, you really just got to figure out what works for you um, and, and test it out, validate it works for you. If it doesn't, adjust course. But for me, this is how I took my notes. I broke it up into business, network, application, security, quality of service, and multicast. The next thing for each scenario, what I found is to draw two diagrams. They don't have to be pretty diagrams. It's you're not an artist. You're not getting. You're not going to get you know put into um, an art show with those diagrams. The idea here is to draw two diagrams per scenario. One's a physical diagram, and one's a quick logical diagram. They're both quick diagrams. The ideas behind this is when you're replacing a technology with another technology, and you don't have it drawn out, you don't have the topology handy to look at, you might miss some of the benefits with replacing a technology with another technology. Uh, a good example here would be if you're replacing like DS3 circuits with MPLS L3 VPN. Now, if you draw that out, you could see the obvious benefits, but if you don't draw it out, it may not be as easy to identify those benefits and it might make it very hard for you to choose a solution in an exam when you have to compare technologies. So that's why I recommend drawing a physical diagram and the logical diagram is even a bigger benefit, in my opinion, because some of these are going to be overly complex at times, uh, routing designs. Um, they could be with complex technologies, complex complex um, ideas, right? So you're talking about inner AS options. We're talking about uh, carrier support and carrier. We're talking about route reflector designs for BGP. And then we're talking about just general redistribution. I mean, all of these concepts 
in your head, you might miss something. It will help you clarify what you're doing. I told you this next section I'd come back to highlighting. And I took this, the CCD practical exam four times. The first two times, I was what I would call an overzealous highlighter. Um, and one of my friends, and I can't remember which one specifically, it might've been a couple, had said that I was putting everything in a priority queue. So if you think about that for a minute, it kind of makes sense. I was highlighting 90% of a paragraph. And now when I came back, I could not find the important information because now everything was in the priority queue. The idea here is you don't want to over highlight. It's a great tool to use, um, but over highlighting can really hinder you in, in the end of it all. When you're trying to go back through and find that specific information that you know you saw, but you didn't highlight appropriately. And like I said before, skim reading while sparsely highlighting is what worked for me in the end of it. The testing engine allows you to use multiple colors. Some people like multiple colors to identify the different notes they're going to take. I mentioned notes before where we had business, network, application, security, QS, and multicast. Some people like to use a different color for each of those. So instead of taking notes in the notes section, they will highlight the ones that are business-related a certain color. Then they'll highlight the network-related sentences or information in the text another color. Um, The problem I had with that is I started getting confused. I did test it out. I didn't prefer it. I liked using just one color for the entire exam and just sparsely highlighting. Now, the key with all this, practice, practice, practice. Because if you don't practice and you expect to do this during the first time you're taking the the practical, you're not going to have that strategy honed out for you to rely on. So practice, 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 and then figure out what works for you and, and then adjust accordingly. The last thing in this section is the lunch break. And um, like I, I, I think I mentioned at the beginning, but I'll mention it again. So the exam is broken up in, in an eight-hour chunk, or an eight-hour exam is broken up into two four-hour chunks of time. You take two scenarios in the morning for four hours, then you have an hour-long break for lunch, and then you take two scenarios after that, and another four-hour um, bucket of time. The lunch break, and I think it depends on the testing center you go to. Some, some will let you leave. Some, I don't know if they let you leave or not. They might provide you food. I think it depends on where you go. I've heard mixed, mixed information. Me personally, my testing center let me go get food and come back. My recommendation of the lunch break is don't try to study. <laughs> uh, don't try to do work. Don't try to read email. Uh, don't try to go on Twitter or LinkedIn or Snapchat or whatever application that you use. Um, my view is your brain, your mind needs time to uh, reboot, to relax and and refresh itself. Because it's just, I mean, this is a marathon of an exam. It is a um, a marathon of comprehension, reading comprehension exam. And your your body and your mind need time to relax and, and reboot for the next section, um, the next four-hour time block that you're going to go through. You want to be at your, your peak performance in that second four-hour window. And if you don't give your, sec- your, your brain and your mind a, a chance to rest, then you might not be there. So um, during your lunch break, use the time to relax. Do not attempt to study or do work. Um, eat some good food and drink some water. Have some coffee or energy drink or whatnot, whatever you prefer. I would say don't overly use soda or energy drinks or coffee. Make sure you get some water in you. De-stress and relax. You're, you're going to need every minute of that. So the summarization of today's show, I don't believe you can be uh, successful with the CCD practical exam without a strategy. Um, and a lot of what we went over today is all about strategy, recommendations, tips, how to handle yourself. It really is all about 
mentally getting yourself prepared for the exam and how to how to process what you're doing and how to have a strategy to um to rely on during the exam. Each person's strategy will be different. It, it, it's a must, right? Where no, no one's the same, um, no one's identically the same. Um, what worked for me isn't going to work for you. There might be things that do work, uh, and there might be things that don't work. Um, so take what you, what works for you and adapt it to you. Um, everything else that doesn't work for you, you know, find your own way. Um, maybe maybe you'll find a different way that no one has, and then you can identify it and and. and Tell others and, and mentor and guide others too. So take the bits and pieces that, that work for you and build your own strategy off of it. All right, now we're into the term of the show. So today's term of the show is MTTF, which stands for Mean Time to Failure. Um, this is a business term, salesy term, whatever you want to call it. Um, vendors use this term for marketing their products, you name it. Um, and really what this means in our our community at a, at a, you know, what we're used to hearing is, um, MTTF or mean time to failure is really known as uptime. In my opinion, um, it's the time frame when you bring a device online until it fails. So think of it like, um, I just got a new router. Doesn't matter what vendor, let's forget which vendor I got a router. I powered it up, configured it, plugged it in the network, run production traffic through it. It's online. Um, and then let's say it's online for, mm, 500 days, right? And then I have an outage on that device. Maybe the power supply goes, maybe I have a hard drive failure, maybe the memory goes, I have a bug, whatever. That's the time, mean time between failure. That's my uptime. So from the moment I brought it online to the moment it went down, that's what mean time to failure is. So hopefully that helps you, also known as uptime. That's today's term of the show. We have a few more of those in the next couple episodes to get you a basic level of business terminology to help you identify these terms and, and help out your, your businesses, your organizations, and, and whatnot, and your customers. Call to action, as always, share this content with someone you believe would benefit from it as much as you have. So if you enjoyed today's content, if it helped you at all, just give it to someone that you think would get that same level of enjoyment, same level of benefit. Um, and that's what I always ask. So, well, friends, nerds and geeks out there, that's going to close out this episode of the Zigbits Network Design Podcast, highlighting the CCDE practical exam recommendations and tips. Thanks for listening. Be sure to visit zigbits.tech to join the conversation and access the show notes. Today's show notes can be found at zigbits.tech slash 23. If you liked today's episode, if it inspired you, resonated something within you, or provided a level of real-world context, let us know. You can find us on Twitter and LinkedIn by searching for Zigbits. You can also send us an email to feedback at zigbits.tech. Don't forget to join us in two weeks for another episode where we will continue to provide you with real-world context around technology. Bye for now.